Enterprising in my surroundings I'm finding the quietest estates these days Just representation of storm brewing Amazed that the focus remains The vocal focal point of my change Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast I'm your host, Matt Chittam And this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there Who are working hard to get better While balancing running with the rest of their lives Before we get into it, big shout out to Brio My favorite recovery company the mini massage gun, you know I'm using it tonight. Got the California International Marathon tomorrow. I'm using it tonight in my hotel room, and you better believe I'm using it after the race. Oh my gosh. Who knows what's in store? But I do know this. Rio is the company that helps people recover from whatever their activities may be, whether you're a runner, whether you're just on your feet all day, or heaven forbid, both. Rio has got you covered. You got the mini massage gun, and they got the foot massager, which is heaven on earth. Earth. Save 20% today by going to us.brio.com. Brio is spelled B-R-E-O. That's us.brio.com forward slash rambling runner to save 20% on your order today. Also, there is a link in the show notes. So today's podcast episode, this was a fun one. It was a panel discussion that we did at the California International Marathon Expo just yesterday. We had three repeat guests come on to talk about Breaking big goals. And for these three people, their big goal is breaking the three-hour barrier in the marathon. But ultimately, this conversation isn't about the three-hour barrier in particular. It's about what people do in order to just continue to strive for big goals in their life. So while you may not be a three-hour or potential three-hour marathoner, or maybe you just don't think you are, but who knows? Maybe you could be. I think it's relevant for all of us. That is for sure. So the three guests today are Alyssa Kalarik, Michelle Baxter, and Mike Kafuzi Co. Three just amazing people, and I cannot wait to bring you this conversation. So let's get into it with these three great individuals. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the California International Marathon. This is so exciting. One of the best races in America every year, and we are just so delighted that all of you are here more specifically, that these three people will be joining us, Mike Coe, Alyssa Kalarik, and Michelle Baxter. Today on this panel discussion, we're going to be talking about going after big goals. So many of us have big goals of all shapes and sizes. These three individuals are hoping to break three, uh, I should say three hours, on Sunday morning. They've all been going after this at various points in their life. And we're gonna talk about that today. And while you may running, you may be running at a different pace than they are, faster or slower, I think the, the lessons we're gonna to learn today apply to any goal at any pace. So let's just give a round of applause to these three people who are brave enough to come up here and do this. Okay, first thing I wanna ask all of them is what was your first important goal as a runner? The first big one that you really had a lot of gravity for you? I think my first biggest goal, as at least as a marathoner, was to break four hours. So uh, that didn't happen the first time. It took me two times to be able to get there. But that was like the first time I had set a time goal for a dis like a longer distance race. Um, mine was to qualify for Boston, and I actually had a really long road getting there. Um, I started training for that marathon and I tore my labrum in my left hip and ended up needing surgery and it was like a whole thing. So that was my first big goal and it took quite a while. 
Mine was also to qualify for, for Boston. And like the other two, it took me a couple tries to get there. But yeah, a BQ was my first big goal in, run, in marathoning. And this is so important to know, because oftentimes when we hear people like, hey, I want to break three hours in a marathon, that can seem like such a distant goal for so many of us. And it was for even for you guys, right? Mike, you talked about how you tried to break four and it didn't even work well for you the first time. So what were, what were your first marathon times each? I think I ran a 4.43. I ran it with my dad, who was exactly twice my age. That's why we decided to run it together. And I thought it would be this great moment where we would like hold hands and cross the finish line together. But he dropped me at about mile 22 and beat me <laughs> by about 15 minutes. You should have brought the video camera for that. Uh, yeah, this is 2010, so the cameras were a little different back then. <laughs> uh, mine was a 340, and I think I spent like five minutes crying in the bathroom at mile 18. <laughs> it was just, it was not a good day. <laughs> Mine was 344 in 2010, and then um, I, I played around in like the 340s for a little while before I started to make some more, some bigger strides. Yeah, I think this is so important. This is the reason I asked this question because I already I've interviewed all of you beforehand, so we all kind of know these things. But no matter where you are right now, there can be big goals ahead of you. Again, this doesn't even have to be running related. And they can be far outside of where you're currently sitting. And it's important to just keep going because as these three are showing, no matter what happens on Sunday, you can achieve so many inter interesting and inspiring things if you keep sticking to it. So with that in mind, Mike, when did running a sub three marathon become a goal for you or even enter your mind as some sort of a potential reality? Uh, for me, it happened like once I had gotten my BQ mark. So for my age group, it's 310. And so once I passed that, I was like, okay, now what? I'm like, well, that three is a big round number and it's kind of staring me at the face. So, you know, I guess that's where I'm going. So let's set, you know, set course towards that three. So I was super happy running half marathons. Um, I really liked the half marathon distance and I thought people that ran marathons were crazy. And um, I ran a 127 half and someone commented on my post about it and they're like, if you ran a marathon, you'd probably break three. And I'm like, I didn't even know that was a thing. So that was kind of when it came into my head, but I decided, oh, I should probably try to qualify for Boston first. Like <laughs> breaking three sounds a lot bigger than, than the Boston goal. Eight years ago, my coach, um, at the, at the, I should say at the time, I marathon time was a 317 and my coach approached me and we had only connected through our blog so I didn't really know her that well but she told me she's like I really think you could break three hours in the marathon and I was like that's 678 basically 18 minutes that I have to cut off and I thought she was crazy but at the same time I saw the authenticity in her face and how she t when she told me so I was like okay Let's, let's give it a try. And so that was eight years ago, and I've made five, four attempts. So I'm trying again this weekend to finally break three hours. All right, Alyssa, let me follow up there. So going from crying in the bathroom at mile 18, the 127 half, and then thinking, like, all right, I haven't, done a, I haven't qualified for Boston yet. And yet the three-hour mark is kind of lingering there. How did you rebound from that first marathon experience to still want to continue you know, down that path and to give the marathon another try? 
I actually tapered for the second one I ran. Um, that first one, I just, I did everything wrong, like everything wrong. So I looked at it as more of a learning experience than anything else. It was like, okay, you know, what can I do better next time? It didn't really discourage me. I mean, it, it sucked, but yeah, just learning from it and moving forward. Right, Michelle, you'd said that you, you tried four different times to break three. I guess in the same vein with the question I just asked Alyssa, what provides the kind of the grittiness and the stick to to continue going after that goal, even with the you know, lack of initial success going after it? I think it's just been fun, something fun to chase. And it gives me purpose in my daily runs to get out the door every morning to go for those runs and really try for this big goal. And, you know, maybe it's this part me just being stubborn and willing to try again. But I think it's really just having a purpose for my training runs. All right, Mike. Moving forward, you've, incre you've, you've improved remarkably as a runner. Now, when you look back at your training, what have you done differently besides just running more miles, which is obviously a pretty standard answer here, but what has changed in your training that you think has been a key to improving your fitness and becoming a better marathoner? Well, I think, I mean, I'm always going to say running more is, you know, the bulk of it, but over this last year specifically, I mean, I'm a big data nerd, and so I love having all the gadgets and the tools, but I've kind of switched in how I use them in terms of I'm using them like after the fact. So if I'm going out for a workout that's supposed to be threshold effort or marathon effort, I'm running with whatever that effort is. And then later I'll go back and look at the workout to see what the numbers were to then adjust what the next workout's gonna be. But instead of, instead of using them as much in the moment. All right, let me follow up on that real quick. How do you stay data driven without kind of being um, engulfed by the metrics and, and viewing every run as some sort of referendum on how progress is going and how close you're getting to your goal. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing to keep in mind is that like, as a person, we're like, not machines, we're gonna feel different on different days. So the numbers that happen on one day may be very different than the numbers that happen on another for a variety of reasons that don't have anything to do with your current level of fitness. And so as long as I feel like I'm hitting the efforts that I am hoping to achieve in the workouts, then I feel like I'm, I'm doing the right thing. And that's really all I can ask of myself. And so that's another part of it too, is trying to manage kind of like, what are my expectations of myself? Alyssa? Yeah, um, mine has been nutrition. Um, I was not fueling my runs very well on a regular basis. I would see how far I could run without taking gels. It was kind of like a game, which is like a really, really stupid game to play with yourself. Um, so just figuring out how to nail like both pre-run, mid-run, and post-run nutrition has been really key and huge to my running. For me, I mean, it's that consistent training. It's day in, day out, month after month of running the miles, doing the workouts. And uh, I mean, that just may, has made progress for me in a big way over the years. I will say hiring a coach also made a big difference in my training. And then um, like this last training cycle, I did even more 20 miler, 20, 20 mile runs and just re really tried to up my volume in my training and do it really marathon specific paces in my long runs. I think that was also a key for me in this last training cycle. Alyssa, thinking back to your forays within the, all of the nutrition and marathon and running nutrition, 
where is it, like, how is it dialed in for you now? Like, you're going into the race in a couple days. What does your in-race marathon nutrition look like? Yeah, um, so I had an interesting build-up for this race. I ran Boston as a training run. So I was able to practice literally everything that I wanted to do race day. So what it looks like for me is carrying electrolytes for the first six miles and then doing gels at mile six. Um, my brain is not working for math. Every four miles after that. So 6, 10, 14, 18, and 22 um, has been what's worked. And then like before the race too, I've been using the Morton 320 and eating a solid breakfast and all of that. And that's not stuff I was doing before. And then from a um, beverage standpoint, do you go water? Do you do electrolyte mixes or some some uh, combination of the two? Yeah, I, um, the first six miles I carry the liquid IV. I really like that. And then it's water the rest of the way. Gotcha. All right. Michelle, when you're putting your marathon pace workouts together for your long run, how do you segment them? Or what are some ways that you've segmented them in the past? Some examples are like just like the big long block of say 12 miles in the middle of it, or you know breaking up three by four. And how is that used, say in the six to eight week progression as you get closer to the marathon? So I did the three by four miles and I did it just slightly faster than goal marathon pace. So a sub three hour marathon is a 6.52 pace. So I did a more around 6.40 pace just to, so that hopefully on race day, it will feel that much easier. And I did the three by four miles. And then I also had an oscillating workout that I did with, um, I did five by one mile at 7.10 pace and then the, and the next mile at 6.30. So 20 seconds slower and 20 seconds faster than goal marathon pace for a total of 10 miles. So like I said, 7.10 pace for a mile and then 7.30 pace for a mile and then 7.10, 7.30 for a total of 10 miles. So those are two workouts in particular that stuck out to me that, that I nailed and that felt good and really boosted my confidence for Sunday. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. How do you feel great on vacation? Like, really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. All right. Now, as athletes of any stripe, no matter what sport you're in, we learn as we go and as we mature. There's different lessons that we learn as athletes. Not all of them are physical, right? Some of them can be mental and or emotional. So, Mike, what are some things that you know now that you wish you had known earlier in your running journey? I think like specifically for race day, you know, I used to think that, all right, it's race day. Magical things happen and magical things do happen. But I don't have to be supernatural to have a really great day. You know, all I have to do is run to my fitness, run to my training. And then that should give me the result that hopefully that I've, if I've structured the plan right, that I'm aiming for. So I just have to go out and perform. I don't have to super perform. 
I don't have to be smaller to be faster, um, that it's more important to be well-fueled than it is anything else. Big goals like this take time. So, like I said, I've been working at this for eight years, and I thought I would get it. I was really had it in the bag about three years after that. It was 20, uh, about 18 months postpartum with my first son, and um, my training had been really, had really been strong. I was nailing paces. I had run, run, I'd broken 125 in the half marathon. So that was really set me up. But race day was really hot and humid. It was about 80, 85 degrees on race day. And I just, that, that temperature is not ideal for racing a marathon. So um, it's taken me a long time. I had another child within the, those eight years. Um, and so I didn't realize how long it was going to take me to, to hopefully achieve this goal now on Sunday. <laughs> All right, Mike, touching back on what you had said, when you had been racing prior to this and earlier in your life where you had the, the, super, kind of like the, the supernatural expectation or something can happen, when you said that, were you referring to like that you would bank on that potentially happening or that you would maybe undertrain in the hopes of like outperforming your training on race day? No, I mean, I think I went into it more in, as a mentality of like, if I want to hit my goal today, I've got to dig deep and find something that I didn't know was there before. There's times you can, a person can do that, but it's not necessary for you to have a successful day and have a result that you're happy with. And I think that has taken a lot of pressure off of it for me, knowing that, you know, it's kind of like a, a very long-winded way of saying, you know, trust your training, trust the process. Because um, it, it will get you there, and I don't have to, you know, uh, move mountains in order to be able to succeed. All right. Alyssa, you have been outspoken on this topic that you just mentioned before, but you don't have to be smaller to be a better runner, be healthy, be strong, be all of those things. And you've written very well on this topic in the past, and we have seen some, you know, college programs and, and the like where they were maybe sending the wrong message on that front. When did, when did you get to the point where you felt comfortable just being you know, how you are now as opposed to maybe an earlier version where you felt this, this pressure to be something that was less natural or just wasn't you? I, I don't know that I'm, I'm ever comfortable. Um, I think it's just a constant process of learning about myself and you know, moving forward and, and being comfortable with being uncomfortable. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, you know, body image is such a weird issue because it's like, you know, you may feel one way, but other people don't look at you that way, you know, and I had this post go kind of crazy like a month or so ago, and I had lots of great comments on it, but then like other ones where people are like, you're tiny, like you're not allowed to feel like that about yourself. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> apparently I'm not supposed to feel that way. So it's just an ever-evolving process for me, I think, more than anything. And I like to talk about it so the thoughts aren't just in my head, that I can kind of get them out and maybe other people relate to them, maybe they don't. Maybe they tell me that I'm not allowed to think that way, but at least I'm, you know, talking about it. Yeah. And Michelle, you brought up some great points about how your marathon journey has overlapped with having babies and then postpartum and things like that. When you think back to those times, did you ever get to the point where maybe you were, you know, had given up potentially on some of your running goals in the face of, you know, over, your body overcoming um, postpartum and things like that? Or did you able to stay resolutely like, hey, this is going to happen? Because I know so many women go through that where they have to, you know, 
put some of their goals on hold for a period of time as their body adjusts and they get back to you know, the athlete that they were prior to that experience. I definitely had my doubts going in, especially going into my second pregnancy because I was five years older and I had quite a really, I had really good build um, and postpartum running experience the first time around and so I, I just didn't know if that would happen again. And I will say the second time around, just it did take a lot more, a lot more work, and a lot more, and some more time to get back to where I was. But so for sure, doubt. I mean, you just never know going into a pregnancy, and then or and then once you have the labor and delivery and the postpartum experience, it's just there's so many unknowns. You don't know how your body's going to respond to all that. So yeah, for sure, doubts. But at the same time, I was still excited about chasing this sub three goal. And so I didn't necessarily give up that it could happen, but just if it would, if it would be that much harder, if I could get my fitness back to where it was. So, yeah, uh, doubts, but still a desire to go after it. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Um, going into Sunday, it's race day. You've all raced plenty of times, various lengths. Mike, what is, for you, the best race day mindset that you can have going into this experience? I think just to have that trust in the work that you've done so far and to kind of turn off the mind and just get into a pace group and connect with that group and be there with that group and not worry about the watch so much. I'm going to try really hard to look at my watch as little, like as few times as possible, which will be very difficult for me, but... Uh, I'm just going to really try to connect with like being in that moment. I just want to be happy and joyful and run happy. You know, I think sometimes you can really, during a race, mentally go to places where you like are beating yourself up or you're looking at the watch as like a judgment call as opposed to just data. So I just want to run and be happy and whatever happens, happens. And um, obviously I, I do trust my training, but I, um, I want to be happy and have a good day. I hope to feel confident with my training, with where, with what I've done, and just also realize how much my body, you know, how much it has done and will do on Sunday. And so just to be that celebration and that cherry on the top, um, but being confident and optimistic that it can and will happen. All right. Last one before we get going. Let's talk about balance. All of you have kids. All of you have jobs and you're running at a very high level. However, perfect balance is impossible. Anyone who has all of these you know, aspects of their life knows that full well, and it can be a challenge. So kind of one by one here, Mike, what, what have you been able to do to find at least some semblance of balance that allows you to train at a high level while still giving a ton of time to the, the, the other major parts of your life? Well, I try to prioritize my day in terms of the things that I want to make sure get done happen earlier in the day than later. I mean, to the extent that I can. Some things I can't, but um, for me, anything that happens later in the day is stuff that easily gets procrastinated to the next day or skipped. So if I want to get it done, I put it in the morning and I make sure that it happens. Uh, so I have 11 and 12 year old girls and um, they they don't really need me as much as they used to but they definitely you know they need help in the mornings and you know I have to separate them if they're fighting or something like that but um, I just get up earlier than everyone else um, so I get up early I get my run in and then 
my 12-year-old really likes being able to walk to school with her. Um, so I do that, and I'll walk the dog and all of that. So you like, um, like my said, uh, just getting up early and getting it in is kind of the way to go. I also have a lot of help. You know, my husband's super helpful, and my parents will take the kids if I have a long run and I want my husband to bike with me or something like that. So it, it, is, it is helpful to have help, especially chasing such a big goal. I've always been a morning runner, so... As long as my husband and I have been together, I've always gotten up before him, and so I continue to do that now after we have kids. So I try to get my morning run done when everyone or most people are still sleeping. And then um, I will go like do my weightlifting when my son naps. My oldest is in school, and then my two-year-old is... I'll do it during his nap. And then an afternoon run, if I have a double day that day, I will. Do, I often push the youngest in the stroller. And then sometimes my oldest will come on the bike. So it's just getting creative with the slots of time that I do have and like prioritizing it. And then trying to either involve my family or not take away too much time from family time. Um, my husband is very helpful and he'll get the kids ready in the morning while I'm out running if, if I'm not back. And so it's like getting help, but being creative in what works for your family. And so that's, that's what I've done. And Michelle, personally, I take a lot of inspiration from you as someone who at times has been an early morning runner, because you might be thinking, all right, early, months, early morning runs are great, but you know, it's getting cold and dark. And especially the cold part, well, Michelle lives in Alaska, so, you know, we don't have any excuses because she's doing it, so we can all brave the cold and get out there. Yeah, it's been, like, in below zero this last couple of weeks. I've had... Well, welcome to summer, Michelle Baxter. <laughs> oh, this is, yeah, this is, this is honestly my summer weather, so, yeah, I'm thoroughly enjoying this. <laughs> all right, I said that was the last question. That was a lie. Mike Co., also known as Kapuzi, is one of the most entertaining shoe tubers out there out on YouTube, so, Mike... Before we get going, what shoes will you be wearing in the marathon, and what was the second choice? Uh, I'm going to be running in the RC Elite 2. Um, it turns out that New Balance is the sponsor of the race, so I think that works out well from <laughs> someone who reviews shoes for a living, I guess. Uh, second choice was going to be the Adidas Adios Pro 2. Gotcha. All right. Everybody, thank you so much for being here. Best of luck to you this Sunday. We wish you all the best. And thanks again to Mike, Alyssa, and Michelle for being brave enough to come up here and answer questions in public. Thank you so much. Michelle, Alyssa, and Mike, thank you so much for being part of this panel discussion. It was so much fun talking to folks after this panel. Uh, not the people who were on the show, certainly, but just the people who were watching. It was just, they, they took a lot out of it. And hopefully, you did as well. Big shout out to Brio. Go to us.brio.com today. Save 20% on your order. It's gift giving season after all. Get on it, man. What are you waiting for? And besides, you maybe you don't need a gift for your family or friends. Maybe you've already got that covered. Kudos to you. Get a gift for yourself and celebrate your proactivity this holiday season. Thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the 
focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.